here. I love you. We love you. Preach the word to us, my friend. That was a naughty statement, whoever said that over there. Boys and men sizes. But it was genius. It was genius. All right, Luke 2. It's been a delight to be with you today. It really has. I, uh, just awesome. Uh, the spirit inside uh, these walls. Uh, only God can do that at the same time. At the same time, it does take the right kind of people. It does take the right kind of people. And uh, so thank you for loving the Lord and following him. And, but I, I will add to that. It also takes the right kind of leadership, right? And uh, there's a saying, you know, you've probably heard it before, everything rises or falls on leadership. Um, maybe that's not always the case. I, I, I don't necessarily know. Uh, I do know that the children of Israel, as they're wandering through the wilderness, probably would have been dead apart from leadership, right? right? Uh, and the leadership God has given this church over the years with Brother Cook and Mrs. Cook and then the Hetzers and then the Piles being here. Was it uh, five years, six years? Coming up on five. And uh, and really, it it is true that the, the spirit and the temperament of a church is a reflection of the spirit and the temperament of its leader, its pastor, and his wife. And so don't take for granted what you have here. I, I know maybe you would expect me to say that because he's my friend, and, and I am biased. Obviously, he's one of my dearest friends. Um, but uh, isn't it obvious that God has his hand on your pastor and his wife and his children and uh, just... Be thankful that pray for him uh, on a daily basis, his wife, and uh, and I know that you do. So just encourage you to keep doing that. Did I tell you what chapter to turn to? Luke 2. Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor's preaching through Luke on Sunday morning, right? And so uh, I, I was fairly certain... I knew what God wanted me to preach on the Sunday morning service, Luke 18. I found out that pastor was going through Luke. I said, what chapter are you in? And I think he said, I don't know, eight or something like that. And so um, if you, if I end up preaching the same thing that he preached, like it's the, just act like it's fresh, okay? I don't know how long ago it was that you were in chapter two, but it uh, uh, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Are you laughing because it was a long time ago? Okay, so um, we're preaching through Revelation on on uh, Wednesday night, on our Thursday night midweek service. I'm in chapter 14, and I'm on message 62. Gospel of John. I it took me like six years to get through the Gospel of John. I think I preached 106 messages out of the Gospel of John, 20 chapters. <laughs> so uh, sounds like. Sounds like we're similar in that, right on schedule. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to preach to you tonight one of my favorite messages. And, and not that I preach this message a lot, but I, number one, I like this story. 
But I, I like this story because it conveys one of the most encouraging, to me, one of the most encouraging realities in the Bible that helps me personally. The message comes from a familiar passage, um, one that we typically think of when we consider the Christmas story. Um, but how about we just have Christmas in April tonight? Would that be okay? We'll do Christmas again. And so let's start maybe by having some fun interaction, right? It's Sunday night. It's kind of family night. We can loosen up a little bit, maybe be a little more vocal. Uh, So let's have a little bit of interaction time, a little fun. When you think of the characters in the Christmas story, tell me who you think of. It's okay to speak out loud. Who do you think of? Just just give me a name. Huh? Shepherds. Angels. Sheep. What else did I hear? Excuse me? Jesus. That's a, who said Jesus? That's a good one. Yeah, pretty good one there. Herod? Mary? Yeah, that's a good one. Both of those are good. Pretty key figures right there. Someone said Joseph? Good, man, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Wise men. Heaven? Who said that? Jaron, you said that. That is right. The innkeeper. Man, I think we pretty much got everyone. Did we? Huh? God. Can't leave him out. Right? Anyone else? Star? See how long we can milk this thing. Huh? Elizabeth? Ooh. That's a good one right there. Elizabeth. You, Fevi, you might need a new Bible, my friend. <laughs> um, there's a character in here that none of you mentioned that is a key figure in the Christmas story. So why don't you stand with me? Let's read the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. That'll make you happy. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee uh, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Then explains why he had to go to Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. I saw one of the women here, great with child, after the service. And then I saw the time it was after the service, and I said, good gracious, who preached that long? You sat through a message that long? Gracious sakes, being great. I'm so thankful I'm a guy. Amen. God bless women. (laughs) Verse 6. All right. Verse 6. 
And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to preach to you on this subject with this title, Thank God for Caesar. Thank God for Caesar. Would you join me? Let's ask God to meet with us. Would you do that? My great God, you're so good to us. You've met with us this morning and touched our hearts, those that were able to attend the conference you met with us. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you've done in the life of the people of this church. Would you just give us of your face and of your grace one more time? It could be that this would be the last time we spend a day in your house on this side of life. And so I pray that we'd do our part to make, it the, uh, make the most of it. And, and please, we don't, we don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve the fullness of your spirit. But if you'd give it in full measure one more time, we'd praise you for it. We love you, Lord. We ask it in Christ's name. Everyone said. Thank you. you may be seated. I found this story, though it's very familiar, just so extremely interesting. Um, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, wise men, the angels, all usual suspects in the Christmas story. But this passage shows us that Caesar played a huge massive and absolutely necessary role in the Christmas story. Luke 2, God brings our attention to a man who had zero interest in Jesus, zero interest in God, zero interest in the things of God, didn't care a lick in the world about Bethlehem or the two that were on their way there to be taxed. All he wanted was more money. That's all he cared about. I've I've also given this message, this little sermonette. I say sermonette because my notes are about half the sizes this morning. You can say amen to that. (laughs) I've given this message a second title. Uh, You want to hear it? You want to hear the second title? Oh, you don't? Okay, well, we can just keep. Here's the second title. Have yourself a Caesar little Christmas. This is what you get for saying we're going to have a special from Pastor. You know what I'm talking about? It's a play on words from uh, the classic song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Did I say it right? I'm not sure I said it. Have yourself a Caesar little Christmas. Sing it with me. Have yourself a Caesar little Christmas. Let your heart be... Yes, that's good. Uh, The reason that title would be applicable is because if you embrace the truth that's drawn from the story we just read, 
and the fact that God used Caesar in the Christmas story, not only would you have a merry Christmas, but you'll have a merry life. And then you'll come to the place in your life where you'll say, thank God for Caesar. Thank God for President Biden. Thank God for Nancy Pelosi. And I could go on down the line. Oh, yeah, we're about to get in your business. It says in verse number one that all the world was going to be taxed. And, and, and so in verse number five, the first three words gives us the reason why Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem. Look at it again. First three words of verse number five. Why are they going to Bethlehem? Look, look from their perspective, they're not going to fulfill prophecy. They're not going there because God said, I want you to go. Here's why they're going. We have to give our stinking money to Caesar. Now, they didn't say it that way. I'm just thinking how I think. (laughs) And so the Bible says that they went to Bethlehem to be taxed, which means they didn't go to necessarily have a baby. They're going to Bethlehem because Caesar want. Uh, wanted some of their financial resources that he believed he deserved. And we don't often think of Caesar as playing a crucial role in Mary and Joseph's walk with God, but he did. Caesar played a pivotal role in their ability, get this, Caesar played a pivotal role in their ability to be used of God. From our human standpoint, human standpoint, right? We have a horizontal perspective and a vertical perspective. And from our human standpoint, Caesar's the reason Mary and Joseph ended up in Bethlehem, thus fulfilling the will of God. Listen to what one scholar and commentator said about this. He says, to fulfill the prophecy that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, God and his providence Move the heart of the most powerful man in the world, the ruler of the mighty Roman Empire. The emperor seated on his throne in the imperial capital of Rome was far removed from the tiny hamlet of Bethlehem. He was even farther removed from an understanding of the purposes and the plans of God, being utterly ignorant of his word Yet he played a crucial role in fulfilling God's design concerning the birth of the Messiah. Wow. You don't often think of Caesar that way or Joe Biden that way or Nancy Pelosi that way. Just stop and think for a moment about how backwards this seems, how ironic this picture is that God paints of the Christmas story. Caesar's the most powerful person in the world at this time. There's no greater person in power than Caesar at this time. And then you have Mary and Joseph. We talked about this this morning from Nazareth. From from the south side. Nothing great about Nazareth. It's not on the top ten list of vacays. You're not going to Nazareth to vacay there. No, you're not doing that. Mary and Joseph are just a couple of powerless, poor, peasant-like people just trying to faithfully serve God in a very hostile world 
with hostile leaders who have no appetite for God. Mary and Joseph are, from our standpoint, under subjection to Caesar. He says, you're going to give me some of your money. You're going to travel and you're going to go to Bethlehem to give me some of the money. Uh, or, Or I can just make your life miserable if you'd like. I'll send the soldiers your way or whatever, the IRS, uh, tax collectors, whatever. And so you're going to do what I say. And so then we, we, we look at Mary and Joseph, and, and they're doing what Caesar wanted them to do. Their life, here's a part of their life where they have to follow this guy who has no care for God whatsoever. And so who's the one in power? Who are the peasants? It's easy from a human standpoint to say, well, Caesar obviously is the one in power. And Mary and Joseph, they're just kind of powerless peasant people from Nazareth. And so, and so it, it just seems so crazy, this picture. However, what the Christmas story does here is it turns this narrative upside down where you have Caesar the powerful being served by peasant people like Mary and Joseph. It, here's what it is. I love this. It takes our, our normal way of thinking about this story. Powerful Caesar, peasant people from Nazareth. He, he's the one that is in charge. They are the ones that have to follow this wicked man. And so they're going and they're following his order. And, and so what this picture does is it takes this picture, this normal picture that we have of this story. It body slams it, throws it on the ground like the P of I would do to me, and just stares at it and says, you big sissy. It demolishes our perspective of this story. What do you mean? Well... Think about it. Think about it. The most powerful person on earth was unknowingly being used to serve Mary and Joseph. Two poor peasant people being served by the most powerful man on earth. From a horizontal perspective, the peasants are serving Caesar, but from God's divine perspective, Caesar is actually the one who is saying, how may I help you, servant, peasant people? Crazy. Say what? Caesar's thinking is that he has the power to make the world revolve around him, so he taxes all the world in order to fulfill his own agenda, put more money in his pocket. But unbeknownst to Caesar, God is using, get this, God is using his narcissistic decision to actually serve and help Mary and Joseph from Nazareth. Gracious sakes. You need to say that with me. Gracious sakes. Pathetic. Try it again. Gracious sakes. Yes, indeed. I agree with you. So this story actually shows that Mary and Joseph are not powerless pawns to a wicked world system. Rather, Caesar is the pawn that is being used to serve two of God's choice servants that the world devalues 100%. That's the kind of God 
we serve. The Bible shows us that God is going to accomplish his will. He don't care who tries to stand against it. You can try to order purposes to fulfill your own agenda, to fill your pocket, to uh, elevate your name and your own kingdom and your own glory, and I'll use your narcissistic, wicked, pathetic plans, though you think no one can stop them. I'll use it for my glory to serve two peasant people, lead them to uh, Bethlehem to accomplish the prophecy that was given thousands of years ago, and you can do nothing about it. You can't stop my will, and I'll use the most powerful person on earth to show it to you. Boom, Caesar, why don't you go serve my two, my two servants in Nazareth. I'm not a dancer, but I feel like dancing just thinking about that. Here's the lesson. Here's the take-home lesson. When you determine to live for the purposes of God, the world will actually work for you even though it seems like it's working against you. (laughs) Do you know what this means? Do you know what this means, what I'm doing right here? What this means is I'm completely unsatisfied with the kind of response that I just got. Because that's amazing truth right there. So I'm going to go right back here in the center, and I'm going to read this deliberately and purposely again. I just want it to kind of crock pot resonate in your head of yours, okay? You ready? Here we go. When you determine to live for the purposes of God, the world will actually work for you. For your good, for God's purposes in your life, even though it seems from your perspective like you're just being taxed. Hallelujah. Thank you. I feel better about your response. When you determine to live for the purposes of God, the powerful people that you are expected to submit unto are actually being used by God to serve God's goodness in your life. Woo, buddy. Helping you fulfill the call of God in your life. Woo, man, I'm getting excited about this. I was a little bit tired before, but I'm just kind of getting the flow going. This is what makes the Christmas story so amazing. And this is why I want you to declare along with me, thank God for Caesar. Thank God for Caesar. Praise God for Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and all, all those other wicked, powerful people in America and in the world that seem like they're against me. They're not against, they're not greater than my God, and he's going to use all of their wicked purposes to help me accomplish the will of God. That's the kind of God I serve. Amen and amen. Ooh, I feel better about that. Thank you. Um, I got like two pages left here. That's not very much right there. Okay, so here, here's how I want to finish the time. Okay, so if this is true, now, now, we see this is true from, from this story, don't we? It's true, isn't it? Okay, so if you believe that this is true, what does that truth look like when you believe it in your life? 
Like, like practically, what, how, how would that manifest itself in your life? You'd be what? Well, how about that? I mean, if you knew that God can use the entire American government, even though it seems like they're taking from you and restricting you, trying to take your rights, and they are, trying to mold into your kids their own morality, which they are, so what? God used the most powerful person in the world to accomplish the goodness of his will to Mary and Joseph. Do you think Mary and Joseph are in heaven? I'm like, man, <laughs> our life stinks because Caesar taxed us and we had to go to Bethlehem. <laughs> I hate this world. It's, it's no fun serving God. Do you think they're doing that? They're probably doing this. I can't believe it. That whole time, I thought I was just going to give my money to the government. But God was at work in the most powerful person on earth to lead me to exactly where I needed to be to fulfill God's eternal purpose. They would say... Thank God for Caesar. Woo! He'd probably be charismatic like that too. You, so you'd be happy. You got me rabbit trailed right there, my brother. I wrote down here. If you believe that this was true, like you really, like you really believed it, you'd probably complain a lot less. you'd probably have a more positive attitude even when things seem to be taken from you. That doesn't diminish the heartache and the difficulty when hurt comes your way, when the world takes from you. That's real. I'm not diminishing that at all. But if this story is true, God can use that to actually accomplish his good in my life. And if I believe that, why am I complaining? Even though you may be victimized by powerful people in the world, maybe even forced to pay their selfish taxes, you would not view yourself as a victim. Though you might be victimized, you wouldn't view yourself as a victim because you know... God is using it to accomplish his will in your life. Real story, real story here. Now, Nathan, you might need to correct me on this. We have two men in our church that uh, have investments. Anyone in here have investments? <laughs> oh, boy, is right. Uh, one of these men is a college-age young man. I think he's, I don't know, 22 or so, right? Is that about right? He's 22 and uh, the other man is a 60-year-old entrepreneur doing very well for himself, very well, got his, uh, his own business. And, <clears throat> and the college student is a good, good young man, good young man. He was, uh, they were having a discussion, and, 
and the 60-year-old entrepreneur was in this discussion as well, as well and they were talking about uh, all the amazing things Joe Biden has been doing for our, con- our economy. You know what I mean? I mean, it's so obvious, isn't it? And, uh, and so the young man, the college student, was complaining that he had lost, I think, several thousand dollars uh, in his investments uh, in Biden's robust economy. And, and I mean, he was kind of grieving over that. And the 60-year-old entrepreneur <laughs> just kind of like, what are you talking about a couple thousand dollars? I think he said he lost 70 grand. Who messed this thing up here? $700,000 he lost. Can we, can we trade a, 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 a carton of Folgers coffee for the cost of this? Would that, would that work? Look, I, I don't know what it's like to have some hundred thousand dollars and to lose it. No doubt. No, honestly, no doubt that would be hard. That would be hard. And I think there's legitimate reason to point your finger at all the people that are directing Biden because you don't know what he's. Lord, forgive me. Um, all the people directing President Biden as to why the economy has stumbled so much. But, but honestly, if, if you believe this story, you know, you know all God is doing with that? He's just positioning you to accomplish his perfect in your life. Mary and Joseph lost money. Did you know that? They actually lost money. They had to give money to Caesar. Do you know what they ended up gaining more than they lost? Do you know that? Some wise men came. Radically changed their financial disposition. Can I just, since we're here already, can I just say, yeah, if you're going to serve God, there's going to be some losses that you're going to have to give up to God. But it's not really a loss because what you stand to gain far exceeds anything that you'll give up. Hallelujah. Amen. Say that to the young men too. Say that to the adults. They need it too. I'm just saying that if we really understood this truth, there would be a lot less complaining and a a lot more positive attitudes as we navigate a very unfair and victimizing life. Even if you had a president and a government whose hatred impacted your life or the greatness of our country, I I I cannot believe the country I live in. I can't believe it. It's, there was a phrase back in my day, and I'm only 46. I know that's young, isn't it? Yeah, this is really young, isn't it? <laughs> the young people here are just staring at me like this. <laughs> back in my day, there was a phrase in the closet and come out of the closet. Do you know what that means? Yeah, and, and that doesn't mean, that, that's exactly right. That's my point. Young lady right up here, she said, I have no clue. 
You know why? Because in her generation, you can be whatever you want and you celebrate it. The only thing you can't celebrate is to say, I believe in Jesus Christ and the word of God. I can't, I'm so sad at the direction of my country. It's at heart. It's, it breaks my heart. I, I'm so thankful now when I hear the, the, uh, um, the, uh, the national anthem being sung. And I, I find myself sometimes getting emotional over it. And it can be, man, it, it, if, I, if I'm not careful, I have a very horizontal perspective. And I'm saying they're destroying this great country. And, and yes, yes, they are. But if this story from Mary and Joseph is true, all God is doing is positioning uh, his people in a chaotic, crazy, wicked world to accomplish the goodness of his will. And he's going to fix it all up one day. So I don't have any room to complain because God's got it under control and he's going to use it for good. Gracious sakes. If you believe this truth, you wouldn't get caught up in the trap of the world's way of success and how they define satisfaction because you'd know it's not going to bring any kind of joy and satisfaction. Just surrender to God. Just surrender to God. He's going to use it all for good. So I want us to be able to close tonight just with the mindset, thank God for the Caesars in my life. Because he shows us that God has ultimate control over the affairs of the world. And he is using them to fulfill his purposes. Therefore, when you faithfully serve the God who's in control, the world is actually working for you, not against you. So believers, tonight, I'm asking you the question is the world working for you or against you? You can determine the answer to this question by asking yourself whether or not you're submitted and sold out to the will and purposes of the Lord. Because if you're not sold out, if you're not sold out and submitted to God's ways, what you feel like the world is working against you, it really is. It really is. Today, I want to challenge you to follow the footsteps of Mary and Joseph by submitting to the will and the ways of the Lord. Let me pause right here and uh, commend uh, this young lady that I know. Um, walked away from her home in a church that she loves where all her friends are. And traveled 15 hours over 1,000 miles to go live in a place she never lived before, to go serve and fill a need in God's church. Didn't have friends there. She knows us, didn't have friends there. Just want to be submitted to the will of God right here. Willing to go anywhere, do anything. She lost some stuff because of that. We could say at least she'd been taxed a little bit. What she's going to gain in the long run is worth it. Do you have that heart towards God? Are you 100% submitted? I'm looking around. You 100% submitted. I would just say if you're not 100% submitted to whatever God has for your life, 
man, that stinks to be you. I don't mean that in a hard way. That stinks to be you. Because what you feel like this world is working against you, it is. But when you're submitted to God, it's working for you. Today, just be a good day. Maybe just to recommit your surrender and submission to God. And you just say to God, God, I'll, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. That doesn't mean that God's, God's going to call uh, everyone into a ministry. Then we're all preachers. How's that? What a church going to look like with, if all of us are preaching to each other? We'll look like Pentecostals, won't we? <laughs> oh, gracious. Today's just a good day to surrender, Lord. And, and it may be that I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's someone here that in some certain way God's been dealing with you about some area of your life um, that you know he wants to adjust, and you've been fighting that. You've been fighting that because you're scared. You, you feel like you're going to be taxed in some way, meaning you feel like you're going to lose out on something. And, and I, Please, if he can do this, if he can make the most powerful person in the world, a pawn to God's people, then you don't stand in, uh, you don't stand to lose a thing by surrendering. I just want to plead with you, based on this truth, if you believe this truth, would you fully surrender and submit to God and just come before God and say, God, thank you for every Caesar in my life that you'll use for good. God, Thank you for everything that seems like it's making my life more difficult. But you're actually using it for my good. Lord, I come before you today. I'm not sure how you'll want to use the message. But I know in my own life, I have to be reminded in the times when I'm having a pity party, when I, in times when I feel like uh, serving you and, and, and doing what you've called me to do is taxing me. It's taking from me. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. We have the whole world at our service when we are at your service. So would you just tonight help us maybe just to recommit and say, God, I'll, just like you spoke to me five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and I gave you all and I surrendered all, I want to recommit that to you. Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll take away anything in my life that you want. I'll add to my life anything that you're calling for. Lord, I totally surrender to you. Tonight be a good night to do that. Lord, would you help us to accomplish that? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Invitation is going. This would be your time to respond. It may be that God wants to deal with you about your complaining attitude. It may be that. Saints, there's nothing to complain about when the world's working for you. Nothing. Maybe you say, God, would you help me? Help me to reflect this truth here. The next time I'm confronted with something that I want to complain about. Today would be a good day to say, God, help, help me with my perspective. Help me with my attitude. However the Lord's led you, you'd be responsive to him.